Let's look to Lord in prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, Lord, because we love you. We love your word. We love to meditate upon it. Um, we love to uh, derive our strength and our meaning and our sustenance through it, Lord. Your, um, your people have said your word is sweeter than honey. It sustains us and is precious to us. So, Lord, as we um, meditate upon these pa uh, this passage, Lord, this morning, we pray that um, the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing to you, our rock and redeemer. So as we start our journey into the book of Acts, the first thing that we observe is that Jesus used the 40 days after um, his resurrection to make multiple appearances to his disciples. He prepared them for the task that he was going to give them by exposing him them to all of the key defining moments in his life, right? Um, the disciples saw his baptism, his death, his resurrection, and um, even his ascension. So his disciples had seen everything important that Jesus had done in his life that defined who Christ was, right? The second thing is that during that time, the 40 days um, after his resurrection, he had also reminded his disciples about all of the, the, the essence of his teachings, which was about the kingdom of God. And the third thing that Jesus did in that 40 day period was that he uh, told them what to expect in the days to come. He said that he gave them their task, their purpose. He said that they were going to be witnesses to him everywhere with the power of the Holy Spirit. Witnesses um, in their hometowns, in their neighboring towns, and even to the ends of the earth. And after he had prepared his disciples in this manner, he ascended to heaven. Now, immediately after Christ left the earth, um, we find ourselves in an in-between period. The disciples were in this unique period between Christ's ascension and Pentecost. At this point, Christ was not there to tell them what to do, right? And the Holy Spirit had not been given to them yet to empower them for their task. But Christ had given them specific instructions. He had told them that they had to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came. And so today, we are going to focus on this 10-day period. What they do, because what they did was crucial to the birth of the church that was imminent. In verse 4 of this chapter, Jesus had told his disciples not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the gift that his father had promised to give all Christ followers. What actually happened was then described in this section that we read, verse 12 to 14. Now, this is the more ordinary part of the Acts narrative. Honestly, nothing spectacular happens, right? And so we tend to read these verses 
as almost like transition verses between the spectacular event of Christ's ascension into heaven and the spectacular event of the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But the fact is that just because that period of 10 days was ordinary, it doesn't make it less important. The reason is being that in real life, our own lives are not a series of spectacular events, but most of our lives are ordinary seasons, right? And we know we need to know how to function in the ordinary seasons as well. And so um, this period is not any less important. What happens in verses 12 to 14 is important because we get to see what the disciples did when things were uneventful. And that will help us to deal with the uneventful seasons in our lives as well, which is most of the time, right? So the first thing that strikes me about what the disciples did is that they obeyed what Christ told them to do and waited in Jerusalem. They were asked to wait in Jerusalem in verse 14, and that's exactly what they did in verse 12. We are told that the disciples, after Jesus ascended to heaven, which happened around the Mount of Olives, um, they were then, they made their way to Jerusalem. And we are also told that they all stayed in one home together. Now, we are not sure what kind of home it was. We are not sure whose home it was. But we do know that all the, the core disciples stayed put in Jerusalem, obeying Christ, all even sharing the same home. Now, who all were there? We are told, uh, the author lists a bunch of names. Um, the, the remaining 11 male apostles. We are also told that there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, um, who was the only named female in that group. But we also know that there, there would have been other women. And we are also told that there was Jesus's brothers and sisters and other disciples who Jesus interacted with throughout his time in ministry, right? So this whole group, we are told, is actually... Uh, a pretty good-sized group, a, a group of 120 people in all. And all of them stayed in Jerusalem, and the core disciples even stayed in the same house. And while they were staying somewhere nearby in, uh, in the vicinity of each other, we, um, we also know that all 120 of them came and met regularly and fellowshiped regularly together. Secondly, the question is, what did they do when they met, right? So I'm sure they talked, they ate, they did the normal things, right? They fellowshiped together. But verse 14 also tells us something else. It tells us that they were constantly united in prayer. That means they prayed often and they were united in that effort. It means that it was not just um, some people praying in a group, it was all of them engaged and involved deeply in that prayer. Was it daily? Possibly. Did they pray multiple times a day? Most likely they did pray even multiple times a day. 
So the question is then, what were they praying about, right? Well, they would have been praying for the gift of the Holy Spirit that the, that the Father was going to send them, right? That's what Jesus had told them. The gift of the Holy Spirit, in, uh, that is in, in verse 8, Jesus had, had told them about. Now, we are not sure exactly what they prayed because their prayers are not recorded um, in, um, in Acts itself. However, we can be sure that they were praying to be prepared to, to receive um, such an incredible gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Did they know what it was going to be like? Um, they, they could not have known all of the details of what it meant when the Holy Spirit would come upon them, right? But they would have had some idea because we do know that in the Old Testament, individual prophets and, and people of God had been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Many judges, warriors, and prophets in the Old Testament had talked about the Spirit of God entering them and causing them to do many things. Joshua, Othniel, Gideon, Samson, and Saul are all examples um, of people in the Old Testament uh, who received the Holy Spirit and did specific things as a result of it. Then, of course, the, the big example that we have is King David, who in 2 Samuel 23 and verse 2 declared, that the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue, right? Prophet Ezekiel, um, in Ezekiel 2, verse 2, has also reported to have the spirit enter him. So these disciples would have known that God's chosen people in years past had testified to the fact that the spirit of God had come upon them and they spoke God's words and did what God had wanted them to do. So when Jesus told these disciples that the spirit, um, God's spirit would come upon them, um, they would have had some inclination of what that would have been. And Jesus also told them that when the spirit comes upon them, they would get a new power. The power to be Christ's witnesses everywhere um, they went, whether it was their hometown or their neighborhoods or even the ends of the earth. So they would have had some idea of what it would mean to have the Holy Spirit come upon them. But, it, but this is God's Spirit we're talking about. And none of those instances or examples from the Old Testament that I, that I gave you, actually, if you were to read those instances, are exactly the same, right? In almost all instances, the way the Holy Spirit came and what the Holy Spirit did through them is quite different. And so while they had some idea of what would happen, they would have no idea exactly what would happen in their case because this is God's Spirit we're talking about. And you cannot predict how God acts, right? But Jesus also told them that when God's Spirit came upon them, they would get a new power. And that power had to be used well and for the right purpose. If it is not, um, you, if power is not used in the right way, then it can do more harm than good, right? 
So when the spirit of God comes on them, you can be sure that God wanted his disciples to be well prepared to receive this new power. And the disciples would have wanted to be well prepared to receive that power as well. So how would you prepare um, if you knew that you were going to receive a new power, how would you prepare for it? Well, like any power, you want to be very clear in your mind what the purpose of that power is, right? The purpose of God's power coming upon his disciples was so that they would have the capacity to be God's witnesses to Christ to every category of people around them. Christ had made the purpose very clear before he gave them the power. And so we know that between Jesus' ascension and Pentecost, there was a period of 50 days. So that 40-day period after the resurrection um, and 10 more days after Christ's ascension, the disciples spent time praying and remembering their life's mission before they received the promised power at Pentecost. And what would have been, they been praying about in those 10 days of this full immersive prayer retreat? Well, I would, I would venture to guess that, that they would have prayed that God would strengthen them for the tasks ahead. They would have prayed that God would mentally, emotionally, and physically prepare them for being witnesses to Jesus Christ. They would have prayed that God would help them to engage in, this, in, the, in the battle with the spiritual forces that they were about to enter. They would have prayed for wisdom as, as they were going, going to go about teaching about God and God's word and, and about the kingdom of God to people who would uh, probably reject that message. They would have prayed that they would, that God would go ahead of them and choose people who would be open and receptive so that they would then make disciples and choose those disciples just like Christ um, a few <laughs> years ago had prayed and chose them as his disciples, right? So they would have prayed about this whole process of disciple making that God had told them that they were supposed to do in Acts 1.8. And so they would have a lot of things to pray about. And the funny thing is, during this 10-day period, we are also told there were no divisions among them, no quarrels, no politics, no seeking of personal gain. All they had was a sense of unity. <laughs> A powerful sense of unity. The funny thing is that there's better unity during this time than in the years after the church was established. And I don't ask me how that works, right? I'm only observing what I see written. But the important thing is that in this 10-day period where they spend their time together having this incredible prayer retreat, it was a powerful time of unity. There was unity, there was purpose, and there was excitement because you can be sure that everyone was, was waiting in anticipation of what God was going to do in their lives at any minute, right? 
when i started working on this i was wondering what in the world could they have been praying for for 10 days for 10 continuous days but as i i dwelt into it and as i as i was praying myself i was i began to wonder on the on the other hand how they would be prepared for so radical a change in just 10 days right from when they started as as uh, as uncertain uh, shy uh, uh, scared even disciples to people who were then on fire who was who was able then to go and change the world right that entire transition happened in that 10 day period of prayer well the million denarii question then is what is examining this period um that the disciples um endured for these 10 days mean for us let me highlight just two implications the first is the obedience piece these 120 disciples clearly were willing to turn their lives upside down to obey jesus christ and do exactly what he told them to do you have to remember that most of them did not live in jerusalem jerusalem was like the the downtown where people go for important things and then they all go back to their homes and nobody really had houses in downtown except for a few very important people right they went there for the major festivals but when jesus told them you go and wait in downtown you go and wait in jerusalem all of them obeyed even though none of them actually lived there um they also did not know and jesus did not tell them at that point when the holy spirit would come upon them he said just go and wait for the holy spirit we know it was 10 days but they did not know they went and obeyed even when they did not know how long they would have to wait there for us we have to look at the passages that we are reading um on a daily basis in the bible and look at what is it telling us and how we need to be sincere in obeying it because the first principle of being a christ disciple is obedience the second part of this is the extraordinary prayer that they um that they uh, undertook in that 10 day period we have to pray not just for our own laundry list but we have to pray and spend time with god so that we can synchronize our hearts with god's heart we pray and ask god what he expects of us not just what we expect of god pray to listen pray in anticipation pray in expectation at the end of our prayer time we have to change in some way grow in some way be prepared for god's work in some way that is the kind of prayer that god can use to direct our lives if god is the shepherd and we are his sheep we need to get direction um from god for our lives if not we are going to be lost so let us learn to pray in ways that channel these kind of prayers um that the disciples did before pentecost that in, that enabled them and prepared them to handle the power that was going to come upon them in the days to come let us focus on obeying 
what God is telling us through the scripture and come together regularly in prayer and waiting for God's instructions upon us. I believe God has great plans for each one of us. The question is, are we willing to be prepared ourselves uh, for what God's next move in our lives is going to be? Are we willing to have that kind of obedience? Are we willing to get involved in that kind of prayer? Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you that you have recorded the lives of the disciples as they began um, their, their, their journey um, in Acts in a, in, a, in a way that is a, is a great example for us, Lord, a great example of people who, who obeyed you, who spent time in prayer, who spent time in seeking your will for them. Lord, we want to be as faithful disciples as they were. We want to be able to obey you. We want uh, to be empowered by your spirit and we want to be able to have our purpose and our direction um, so clear that when we have the power in us, we will know how to use it, to use it for your purposes. So Lord, I just pray for a, a blessing on each one of us here um, who have um, opened their hearts to your message. I pray that you would empower each one of us and that you will enable us to um, daily spend time drawing close to you, um, uh, absorbing your word, obeying it, and being prepared uh, to use the power of the Holy Spirit that you have given each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.